0: We've got some breaking news here from Canada, uh, breaking news from the election. Um, Conservative Party leader Aaron O'Toole has just today unveiled his uh, pro poppers platform. Uh, the Conservative Party is going all in on uh, legalizing poppers. They want uh, They want you huffing on that shit. They want you in the club, and they want you relaxed. They want your asshole dilated. Mm-hmm. Um, it's,
1: it's part of their, new, uh, their their new platform, which is called Loosen Up Canada yeah
2: relax why don't you
0: <laughs> are you are
2: you i have been i've been locked up all day i have not heard this
0: oh dude oh yeah uh, it's amazing um so travis uh Donraj reported that uh conservative leader erin o'toole is being asked about quote unquote poppers right now and if he supports legalizing them he says he wants the lgbt community to know that his team supports them and will ask health canada to review poppers
2: (laughs) well finally we have a pro popper leader of the conservative party it's been too long and i for one welcome this development
0: Yeah, yeah yeah
1: well this is like look canada had a flourishing vcr cleaner industry and then many jobs were lost with the advent of DVD. And by repurposing these, uh, the, these old plants to produce
0: healthy, ethical poppers, uh, yes, we are right. saving Canadian jobs. Yeah. I mean, you know, since people have switched over to SoftSense and Ableton, um, keyboard repair has really gone downhill. So I'm expecting them to add uh, a GHB component to this pro popper because um, we've got a lot of keyboard cleaner just hanging around not being used.
1: Look, Coca-Cola used to make you talk really fast. You know, it used to be better. <laughs> used to used to used to be able to get good Coca-Cola in in uh, Montreal. <laughs> <laughs> and and what's more, uh is uh Aaron O'Toole has pledged that the uh, pills
2: today are too strong. So I was I was locked up all morning. And I wasn't looking at my phone. And then I, I actually just came back from a Jagmeet Singh whistle stop tour here in Edmonton uh, uh, for reasons that I will get into later. And, and so I unfortunately did not hear Jagmeet Singh, the leader of the NDP here, talk about poppers. And I don't know what his stance on poppers is. And I think this needs to be rectified immediately, as well as uh, Justin Trudeau, Anime Paul, whatever the Bloc Quebecois guy's name is. We need every single Canadian leader to weigh in on the popper debate.
0: I think we got a popper's gap. Basically, the conservatives have uh, shot ahead, and um, so uh, <laughs> you're listening. <laughs> you are you, listening. But you might this. say that they have widened their circle of support. This is true.
2: What kind of person to say a toto You know what? A toto so. A fucking toto so.
0: You're listening to the Bottleman Podcast. It's me, Dan. Uh, it's Riley. Hello. And, and uh, today we are joined by Duncan Kenny, uh, And we're, we're talking poppers, but, but we have Duncan on to talk about... Um, poppers. To talk about, to talk about poppers, yeah. yeah. To talk about something very near and dear to the podcast. So uh, how, but how are you doing, Duncan, before we get into the meat of this? It's
2: an honor to be on the world's premier Brent butt corner gas slash nazi collaborator investigator podcast
1: <laughs> yeah it's the, the those are the main things about us <laughs> is uh is is what it, is is pitching new ideas for what corner gas could be and also uncovering canada's uh not so much um uh past nazi links but uh present Nazi links yes
0: every every time i deepen my knowledge of uh uh, something every time i smartify myself by reading like stepan bandera's biography or uh, a, a long history of the complex relationship between galicia and 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 uh russia i smooth that part of my brain out by watching two or three episodes of corner gas and talking about it with riley
2: yeah and just just <laughs> shoehorn us. random europeans who've Never heard of Saskatchewan or Brent Butt. Into watching this inexplicably popular Canadian television show, I love it. I mean, it should really just be Brent Butt, Corner Gas, and Nazi collaboration—the active, like the, the, the Nazis we have in Alberta and Canada.
1: And so, look, given that we haven't talked about Corner Gas that much yet, uh, <laughs> which one of our two major types of thing
0: are we talking about today? Well, today uh, we're 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 going back to the well. We're talking uh, we're talking about the original victims of communism here, which uh, and by which I mean uh, the Ukrainian Youth Unity Complex in Edmonton and their uh, and their statues. So, so just over a week ago, uh, the Ukrainian Youth Unity Complex again uh, became a victim of vandalism. Uh, when they that's worse than being a victim of communism. It is. true. Um, when their uh, beloved statue of uh, Nactagal Battalion uh, leader Roman Shukievich and their memorial to the Waffen SS Fourteenth Division were defaced or um, subtitled, maybe is a better way to put it, uh, with the words "Nazi monument." They received all. They received appropriate <laughs> alt text. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, they were spray painted with the words Nazi monument, uh, 14th Waffen And uh, my favorite Actual Nazi um, mm-hmm. So Duncan you, you broke This story basically you- Yeah we
2: were the first to report on the fact that uh, Edmonton's two Nazi collaborator statues I am I am blessed to live in a city With two separate uh, monuments Two Nazi collaborators uh, Were defaced in red paint with accurate alt text. Uh, yeah, it was, uh, the pictures were sent to me, uh, anonymously and we reported on it. And, um, we've been reporting on this for quite a while. I too have the similar brain worms that, that you have in that I, uh, am very disturbed by the fact that we have Nazi collaborator statues, not only, uh, in our country, but also in like the city where I live. And, uh, yeah. And as a fellow podcaster, I've done multiple episodes on this. I've interviewed academics, and uh, and so we were kind of well known. And whoever did this, I assume whoever did it, said this photos. I mean, they were we were the first to report on. No one else got them. And yeah, fourteenth uh, Waffen SS monument, which, hereto, which heretofore at this point had never been vandalized, and the statue of Roman Shukovich, which was uh, vandalized with again the very funny caption "Actual Nazi."
0: And that was that was about a year ago, right? Like. Uh,
2: I think winter 2019 was when the okay. statue was vandalized. I do have some more uh, breaking news on this as well, which is that I have actually made some inquiries uh, with the Edmonton police service about whether this is being investigated as a hate crime, <laughs> which is boggling <laughs> to me and which has actually happened before in a couple of other contexts, both in Edmonton and in Oakville. There yeah, are, yeah, that's uh, right. And Nazi collaborator monuments that are being vandalized with the word Nazi, <laughs> and mm-hmm. the Ukrainian groups that are responsible for these monuments are going to the police and saying, uh, "This is a hate crime. This needs to be investigated as a hate crime." And then um, someone like me, an independent journalist, like me, like calls them up and they go to the to the uh, to the hate crimes unit and they're like, "Are you in- investigating this? Like, is this a, are you investigating this as a hate crime?" And they're like, uh, "No, we're not." <laughs> <laughs> we're not investigating whether the vandalism of the Nazi monument was a hate crime,
1: but we're also not investigating whether or not this existence of the Nazi monument was a hate crime either. Exactly. We're just staying out of it. We're yeah. staying out of the whole Nazi statue thing. We'd like to back uh, off of this Not, a, not my life. horse, not my rodeo. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, well, I, w- I, want, I wanted to say, like, you know, reading your reporting on this, Duncan, um, there. It, this time it is actually kind of different um, because basically the Jewish groups in Canada uh, who would be concerned about this are actually speaking up about it, right? Like you interviewed a handful of people for. Uh, yeah.
2: Yeah. Groups, groups that do typically, I mean, I run a lefty independent news org. Um, we don't typically go and get interviews from bnai Brith or uh, the Simon Wiesenthal center. Uh, but uh, to their credit, they actually give a shit about the fact that there is a Nazi collaborator statue in Edmonton. And so, uh, yes, I, I called them up. They were, they're giving quotes to me as well as to other media. They are actually, according to them, working to put pressure on and are otherwise endeavoring to, um, get these statues taken down. Um, at first they're very like, Oh, well maybe they can add some context or blah, blah, blah. But I think now they're to the point where it's like, yeah, just fucking take them down. (laughs) And, uh, yeah. and yeah, and it's very it. interesting because we, uh, I mean, the national organizations. Maybe it's just because we're out in the hinterlands of Edmonton, but I have never seen before seen the national organizations, uh, like the organized Jewish organizations, kind of speak up about a statue of Roman Shukovich or an, a monument to the 14th Waffen SS. This is this is new and novel to me as well.
1: Oh, and the um, what I think is also sort of quite quite interesting is that the response. Despite the fact that sort of much more and much more high profile pressure is being put on them this time, the response seems to be kind of like the same, which is uh, that, that they, they always reply in statements that then get sort of faithfully reprinted in the CBC. Thank mm-hmm. you, CBC. That actually, um, the vandalism is part of a decades long Russian disinformation campaign against Ukraine to create a false Nazi image of Ukrainian freedom fighters. The translation of the Ukrainian message on our vandalized memorial is, uh, glory to the heroes, glory to Ukraine. (laughs) No, that's, 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 uh, it's, it's actually for those who fought for Ukraine's freedom, which I don't know, probably might as well be the same thing. Um, as for those who presume a right to dictate to us about who we should honor, uh, we invite them to reflect on whom they are serving when publishing divisive fake news. Um, Those who stick their
0: noses Where they don't belong Will find what displeases them
1: <laughs> That's right We're gonna get an Antonov uh, Flown into the CN Tower Yeah, John um, Pierogi so, Is
0: gonna roll down Bloor Street
1: So Yars Balan From the Ukrainian-Canadian Studies Center At the University of Alberta Says the history of the monuments Wouldn't you believe it? It's complicated Um
2: <laughs> Yeah that was yeah. the best part was that the CBC put that it's complicated quote in their headline of the piece and the headline of the, and the piece itself was like, talk to Ben Iberth, talk to the Simon Wiesenthal Center. They're like, get the fuck, get these Nazi monuments out of here. But then, then they quote the guy who works for the Canadian Institute of Ukrainian Studies, uh, an organization that was founded by a literal Waffen SS veteran. <laughs> Peter Saverin, yes. who was the chancellor of the University of Alberta, was the person responsible for getting that Institute of Ukrainian Studies off the ground, was a Wofford SS veteran, was proud of his service uh, in his uh, Ukrainian language memoirs. They're like, oh yeah, it's complicated.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, like listeners of the show will remember uh, the Ukrainian Canadian Studies Center as the place where Christia Freeland's grandfather um put together the uh, memorial of the OUN commander that was hiding out in France, the sort of definitive revisionist history of of Ukraine as told by uh, that wing, specific wing of nationalists. And uh, Freeland helped mm-hmm. co- collate and uh, translate some of that work as well. So to have, yeah, to have Yars Balan be the guy who is uh, historically contextualizing things for the CBC is uh, is pretty weak. It's
1: pretty weak. So uh, specifically, we say there is all this history behind this, and in history, context is everything. Horrible things did happen in the Second World War. Difficult decisions were made, and they may have been regrettable in retrospect. But it's hard to put yourself in the shoes of those who had to make them then. Some people who <laughs> Get this! Ended up fighting in German uniforms. Somehow, maybe they <laughs> Wait, it was laundry day weird? Yeah. They,
2: they tripped and fell, and all of a sudden yeah. joined a Waffen SS unit.
1: They weren't was, actually even trying to sign up for something. They were just trying to indicate—they uh, were trying to indicate something that was far away. And then, wouldn't you know it, it was a Roman salute.
0: I was Um, taking a bath in the the Dnieper River and uh, someone stole my traditional Ukrainian garb. Uh, When I got out, I was naked. (laughs) I did not want Svetlana to see me naked. Uh, On a a tree, I saw a crisp new Wehrmacht uniform. Yeah,
1: and then I floated over to it like a cartoon hobo. (laughs) Um, Some people who ended up fighting in German uniforms were simply not Nazis. They were actually fighting for Ukrainian independence. That was the best way to achieve it as far as they were concerned. They didn't have any options. That's right. They actually were made Nazis by history. Yes. I'm afraid uh, the, 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 glory, the glorious destiny of Galicia compelled them, uh, took, took over their, their, their minds and caused them to be taken over as though by a spirit uh, to, uh, to, to, to reclaim their homeland. Yeah, and there I mean, it was.
0: The, you know? I mean they they did they did have a few options. It's just that uh the joining the SS 14th Galician Division option happened to dovetail with their own opinions about Jews and Poles. So
2: Heinrich Himmler did say like by all means go murder a bunch of Poles. I'm not going to stop you and I know you want to do it. I mean yeah. that's a paraphrase, but but that's yeah. that's been essentially it from my understanding. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep, got to get uh and one of the other funnier things about this, too, and funny, I mean, interesting, is uh, in my reportings, I was able to get some quotes from uh, the Canadian Polish Society, Canadian Polish History Society uh, of Canada. I think that's the name of the organization. I have to go back and read my story. But uh, yeah, the like, organized Polish community, for whatever reason, has never decided to get up on their hind legs and actually publicly state that it is bad. That there is a monument to someone who killed a hundred thousand poles, like in this city, and I tried really fucking hard. Like I, I, got a hold of him once, and then he like begged off the phone, said he was on a Zoom call. But I tried to get the president of the Canadian Polish Congress to like answer some questions, and he just like straight up dodged me. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what the deal is with the Canadian Polish Congress or the like ver- various other po- Polish organizations, but it's it's strange to me
0: that it raises a really interesting point that i you know i've thought about a lot during you know the time that we've been you know Riley and i've been reporting on the victims of communism memorial um and the history of things like black ribbon day is that the it seems like the leadership of the organized polish community um would rather sort of sublimate themselves into like a greater block of anti-communism than kind of face down the ukrainians about their worshiping of a guy that like you said killed a hundred thousand of their people and when you and when you look at uh people's response to say duncan like you're posting um all of these things you know you're posting about the monument about the vandalism you have polls in the mentions polish canadians <laughs> talking about how they want the statue to come down you know so I'm I'm just wondering if the community leadership is just like not serving.
2: Yeah, they're just saying that like oh, yeah, my great grandpa or my fucking great uncle or whatever was like murdered in those massacres and uh I fucking this is this sucks that this guy's statue is up like take it down but for whatever reason those people are not like in the leadership of these organized Polish organizations.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So so yeah, I think that kind of that kind of points to uh You know when you look at the people who are putting together the victims of communism memorial it's the same it's the same groups and their leadership seems pretty united on um like absolving each other of memorializing certain figures right but i wanted to talk to you i wanted to talk to you about um your further reporting into this which which is really interesting so uh you so you published the article about the vandalism but then you also published an article uh where you dug into public safety canada uh donating money to the place where the monuments are housed right to this ukrainian youth association
2: yeah yeah it's absolutely wild in 2020 so uh after it was after the Roman statue was first uh, uh vandalized in 2019 in the summer of 2020 the ukrainian youth unity complex applied for a a grant and this grant is uh, in order to secure the facility. It's essentially there to um, make sure <laughs> that, that, that this uh, Ukrainian, uh, that the statue of, to this Ukrainian Nazi collaborator like isn't vandalized anymore. And yet, not only was it vandalized again, but the federal government somehow, for some reason, gave $35,000 to the Ukrainian Youth Unity Complex to beef up their security system.
1: Yeah, it's a. They were basically saying that they had to uh, secure the future for their statues, and uh, uh, we must we must secure the future of our statues and uh, a world for our um, pla- like metal cast children.
2: <laughs> yeah, and and when you get into the language of why this grant was given, it was it's like it's literally there, like expected outcomes, like to reduce hate crimes. <laughs> Uh, against a vulnerable yeah. population what, here's and one like, kind of
1: question right so here's one question how are, are these simply like people who are not understand it? Uh, who is signing off on this at public safety canada is this someone who doesn't understand what they're signing off on and just like sees a sort of minority population that seems to be getting a hard time. And so it's like, well, minority population getting a hard time, time to sign off in some like protective measures. Or are they just sort of being like, no, this is a good guy. he's one of our guys. We like him. Like what? I, I, at a sort of bureaucratic level, what do you think it is?
2: I think they just see the word Nazi on a, on a monument or like on a building or whatever, and they don't interrogate it at all they don't actually contemplate the fact that like this person was an actual nazi or nazi collaborator and they just see oh they were vandalized the word nazi was sprayed on them ergo they're a, they're a group that needs protection here's 35 grand to beef up your yeah. security system
1: it's the, the worst
0: insult of all yes <laughs> i think yeah i think a lot of the the people i mean you see this again with the victims of communism memorial like the heritage ministry for instance i they have no historical context for this which is fine it's totally fine to not know who these people are but Mm -hmm. it's just a it's just a click it's just a search away you know there's there's and it's the same it's the same kind of shit that uh Informs the a lot of the c b c reporting or the the Edmonton journal article that came out about this following uh duncan Your reporting on this is is there's and Riley and I see this over and over again there's just a kind of like incredulousness to uh mm-hmm. like a l like just a punishing lack of curiosity <laughs> and at the same time uh a willingness to just take whatever anyone tells you at face value it is a lethal yep. combination. <laughs>
1: Yeah, absolutely. There is this uh, broad-based feeling of just, uh, of, of a t- I mean, it's because it's, Canada markets itself so well to people who live in it. There is this sort of aghast reaction that there could possibly be anything, that any holdover from World War II could have been from the wrong side, basically. Yes. And, and, and yeah. it slides off people's brains. as sort of too fantastical to believe.
2: Yeah, it is. It is a, a product of a lot of incuriousness and incuriosity, as you were saying. Like it's, it's only a Google search away. If if you are shocked by the fact that there are monuments to Nazi collaborators in a place, of uh, fucking Google it because there are. There are lots of them all over North America, <laughs> various diaspora communities, and and um, and. Uh, you know, Nazi collaborators who fled Europe after World War II got set up all across North America. And for whatever reason, uh, they were, for for a variety of reasons, I should say, they were allowed to thrive. And those are reasons that you guys have covered very well on this podcast.
0: Do you think, given the fact that the Weisenthal Center and Bonaibreth have both spoken out about this, like the the Polish community, notwithstanding, do you think that Do you think like it will be different this time? Do you think that there will actually be a national conversation about this? Because I know that as of one hour ago, like no municipal government, no provincial government, and no one at the federal level has made a statement about this at all.
2: It's hard to see a way forward. They're so fucking intransigent. Like the Ukrainians, their, their, their response is, is is so belligerent, right? It's always like, it's, Oh, it's, Russian Putin KGB propaganda, and every time this is brought up, they just say the same thing, like to the point where I reached out to the Ukrainian Youth Unity Complex for a statement on this, and they they just like literally was like, we gave you a statement like a year and a half ago, just use that one.
0: <laughs> Amazing. So like we love we love our Nazi guy.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah, we still think he's we think he's like fucking based actually. So yeah, it's, it's just like yeah some like like some like weedy seventeen year olds just like some sending you like a pepe frog meme that's just like uh base jukovic like that's the official <laughs> response
0: basically
1: yeah it's cool it's great
2: and and i've reached out to public safety to see if they'll have anything to say about this did they know this guy that they had a nazi monument on their property and they're like, Hey, yeah, uh, thanks for thanks for sending in the inquiry. What's your deadline? And I gave them my deadline and I have not heard back from them. It's been a couple of days. <laughs> so uh I'm gonna keep uh keep asking them. Uh but you're right, yeah, no public official like the mayor, the 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 leader of the official opposition, the uh MPs, counselors, like pick, take a pick. No one has actually gotten up on their hind legs and say, uh, it's pretty uh shitty. And awful that we have a Nazi collaborator monument in our town. And uh, what are we going to do about it, everyone? I mean, one of the hilarious things in, their, in the response by the Ukrainian Youth Unity Complex is they say that this, the monument is on private property. <laughs> Just so, very strong, like, what are yep. you going to do about it vibes.
0: On private property, but they're, they're getting $37,000 from public safety to, uh, quote unquote, stop hate crimes by beefing up security. Very cool. To be fair... That
1: is the kind of world Roman Shukyevich wanted to build. (laughs) Yeah. Respect for private property defended by the state at all costs. That's
2: right. (laughs) Yeah. It's they also that that facility has also received lots of government money over the years, both from the provincial government and the federal government. Uh, In 2015, they got a couple hundred grand just for like facility upgrades, like for capital expense. Um I don't have the number off the top of my head, but it's like, yeah, oh, it's private property. It's like, well, I mean, if you had a bust of Hitler in your fucking backyard, it'd still, uh, it'd
1: still be still an issue. <laughs> still
0: it's private it property. Is still
1: private property.
2: It's still private property. I don't see this a problem is, here.
0: <laughs> welcome to minus Statue Park. Now get out.
2: <laughs> and... And I mean, and this is like a bank, like this facility itself, I've never been there for an event, uh, but I know people who have, and it's like very commonly a place used for weddings. It's a place used for like political fundraisers and rallies. It's just like, it's a big empty room essentially from my understanding. And so like, I know like Mm Carrie Diot, the like shitty conservative MP for that area has like been invited to speak at events held at the Ukrainian youth unity complex. Does he know who Roman Shukhevich is? Not. No, I'm probably not. I mean, he's dumb as a fucking post. But uh, he's not going to care anyways because like those people vote for him and support him and donate.
0: <laughs> My friend AJ was talking about uh, uh, you know the reaction if uh, if there were statues all of a sudden of uh, like Ayatollah Khomeini up uh, you know or <laughs> the Delcat, President so, G you know just President G yeah.
1: You just just talking about some cool statues that you want to put up, huh? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: The statue of Che would be would be pretty based, actually. Would support. It's like it's not like the Norman Bethune statue well, bet. in Montreal ever gets ever gets vandalized by fucking reactionaries, right?
0: No, because they don't know it exists. They don't know who Norman Bethune is. <laughs>
1: but I think we're sort of drifting off our. Uh... Our our, our, favorite, our our perennial favorite is an inf- interesting way to describe it, but let's say a uh, perennial bugbear of um, uh, you know, various uh, Nazi memorials uh, throughout Canada that uh, no one seems to be able to know what to do with, uh, except like uh, defend and protect. Um, uh, you said earlier that you were at a uh, Jugmeet Singh event. Uh, did you get his stance on poppers?
2: I was unfortunately unable to get Jugmeet's official stance on poppers um but i will be sending an email to their press person at la- i'm not joking immediately because yeah. if i can does break Jagmeet singh's any? stance on poppers <laughs> does yeah can he give me some um but no yeah Jagmeet singh some? came through town on a whistle-stop tour, I believe the first federal leader to show their face in the great province of Alberta, which is where I am located. And I was there, not f- because I'm any big uh, fan of Jagmeet Singh, though the vi- the vibes were good. He did talk about like taxing the ultra-rich and shit. It was like very short speech. It was fine. But uh, I was there for a more ulterior reason, and that is to gather nomination signatures for my upcoming run for Senate in Alberta. And um, you dear listener as well as the hosts might be looking at me uh as what the fuck are you talking about um there are no senate elections in we don't elect senators in in canada but uh in alberta we have like this fever swamp politics poisoned by like oil and gas and uh, preston manning and just like the most reactionary fucking assholes who have been in charge for as long as you can think and uh something they brought in about 1989 was the very first one was the concept of Senate elections at the provincial level where they would hold a Senate election. And then the person who wins would essentially be fronted to the prime minister by the premier saying, pretty please. Will you make this person a Senator? It's non-binding. It's totally fake. Like it's a sham election. It's not binding in any way. Uh, so, yeah, this is this is this charming little Alberta tradition. We're on our fifth one now since 1989. Well, that's very exciting. And you will,
1: uh, and, and I assume, of course, you'll be running for the uh, Canadian Alliance Party, obviously.
2: Yes. Uh, and the Rhinoceros Party. No, I, uh, yeah. So I, I've, Jason Kenny has. Uh, Our dear premier of this province, if you're not aware of him, is a fucking psycho asshole. He's put, he's revived this tradition of Senate elections here in Alberta. And I've decided to put my name forward as a Senate candidate. And uh, my essential pitch is like, I'm the only candidate who's like standing on their hind legs saying, this election is a sham. It's a fake. I'm never going to be a senator. (laughs) I am not. I don't want to be a senator. Um, but if you vote for me, it will piss off this asshole. And maybe if like a shit posting socialist podcaster wins one of these sham elections, they'll be so embarrassed that they'll never have another one. And that that is my value proposition uh,
0: to voters. We're pro pissing off Jason Kenny on this podcast.
1: Yes, absolutely. Well, I mean, it was look, it's uh, Jason when Jason Kenny got like too euphoric seeing a statue, then like the whole Victims of Communism Memorial thing happened. So maybe if he gets really mad, he'll uh, stomp through it like a big dinosaur and tear it all down with his bare hand. Um, yes. <laughs> but it, there, given that there is uh, an election coming up, uh, I thought it would be worth um, worth looking at uh, the uh, manifesto that jumped out to me uh, and uh, Maximum Fawcett as uh, an unusually... Progre- could this be the most progressive sane manifesto that this country has ever
0: seen dan could you believe it i don't know i mean if max uh max the ultimate center faucet, thinks it's uh sane and progressive then uh there must be yeah. something to it right it's
1: it's i just it's gonna be in it's gonna be totally insane if it's like he ends up voting conservative oh
0: my god <laughs> It would be so weird, it would blow my mind uh, if a guy who's constantly coming out on the side of conservative talking points uh, and saying, well, actually to anything left of center is uh, voted mm-hmm. voted conservative, that would be wild. Um, no, so uh, the,
1: yes, the federal election has at the time of recording uh, kicked off uh, a few days ago.'ve uh, uh, that, uh, that has led number one uh, Duncan to ask Jagmeet Mead saying if he will legalize poppers uh, that has led Aaron <laughs> O'Toole. To say I will legalize poppers, and uh, Justin Trudeau to be typically silent on the popper issue. Um, Silence on poppers but, speaks volumes. Yeah, uh, and I, I think it's worth it, it's worth talking about the uh, the Tory platform, if only because uh, you know the um, uh, weather vanes of Canada's dipshit centrist columnists uh, seem to be pointing towards it excitedly, um, and. Uh, so number one, yeah, we have Ma- Maximum Fawcett being like, "Who boy, am I excited about this platform? Could it be the most reasonable progressive document I've ever seen in my life? Also, I've never seen a document. Uh, or <laughs> as well as when it was pointed out that one of the, one of the tweets that the conservative party <laughs> made which, uh, about this platform called Secure the Future... <laughs> Where have I Heard that kind
0: of language Before <laughs> I don't know man I mean could be could There's be Anywhere I think they just I think they just stumbled On it on uh, you know on their own Accord right yeah
1: probably just On some kind of like you know image board
0: You know My, like yeah.
1: one of, <laughs> just, just some Chan Just some Chan um,
2: so I mean I, I have some I have some like I know Max Fawcett like I worked With Max Fawcett at a defunct business magazine For several years And, um, you know, we're not like friendly anymore, but like we're, we're quite familiar with each other. And I I know you're joking about him repeating conservative talking points, but that man will vote liberal until the day he dies. Like I'm, I am 85% sure he has a tattoo of Pierre Elliott Trudeau on his body. Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) Well, um, although the, so there are a a few things. Uh, number one, yes, uh, maximum Fawcett loves the manifesto, but uh our other another sort of favorite perennial liberal columnist on on in in the world of Canadian liberal columnists Justin Ling uh when confronted with uh sort of the the, the fact that um of looking at a, a let's say a tweet for the um secure the future p- uh platform of the conservative party that was very sort of awkwardly and strangely worded such that it had 14 words and 88 letters uh was mm-hmm. like all right here's why this isn't anything <laughs>
0: Yeah, I, I've got uh, it right I here. We... I'll, I'll, I'll read. I'll read it out because uh, it's please, worth it. Please um, do. <laughs> all right, here's hey. Just, here's Justin Ling. Oh, uh, okay, and I have to say, this is at the end of a very long rambling thread about why the uh, dog whistle uh, thing wasn't actually a dog whistle. Um, so he says, "Oh, and as a last thing, the entire thrust of the fourteen words is that it's securing a future for our." See, white, our children. The conservative messaging is the generic, your children. If it were a deliberate homage, it would be our children.
2: Yeah, that's right. I mean, I I know Justin's league like job is to be like a credulous idiot for everyone to see. But I mean, do I think that Aaron O'Toole is crafting homages to fucking, you know, the Stormfront crowd? No. But like, we have examples in Alberta of like, white nationalists white supremacists like organized motherfuckers like hail hitler motherfuckers like infiltrating conservative political parties yeah. this is not out of out of pocket to think that like that your organization is lousy with them
0: oh i was gonna say too like r- r- just re-ling, like this is this is coming off the back of just years of like knocking it out of the park being a dipshit tweeting about this exact thing like you know uh arguing with Glenn Greenwald that Krakowski Vishti was not a Nazi newspaper um uh loudly tweeting for an entire entire day that Bolivia was not a coup
1: and and also right like it's it's one of these things where uh, it's um it's it's very i think a a lot of these are just like you know the 23 year old edge lords and then like you know 49 year old guys they like sort of worship because they live in the woods or whatever um These, this there there there's no grand plan here it's just he's like hey i bet wouldn't it be really funny if i like you know made a conservative party of canada tweet like a little wink to like my, my nazi buddies uh and it's just probably some like dumbass intern but like the fa- i what it's more interesting to me than like the idea that like yeah there are probably like nazis in the conservative party because as you said duncan like there a lot of nazi organizations are like Huh, we sure could use this organization to further our interests. Let's yes. join it. Um What's more interesting to me about that, though, is it's a perfect example of something I see over here in Britain all the time and have for years, which is there's a certain subset of journalists that has sort of reconceived of their own job as being primarily a bulwark against public misinformation. And so they see <laughs> mostly what they're doing. Is um, explaining why things aren't interesting, why things aren't what they seem, why everything's actually normal, uh, and what that always end, what always that they end up doing is they always end up saying, ah, you think it, it's it's they basically got like um they got their like you know poison poured in their ear by Malcolm Gladwell because they're like ah here's why this thing you think is uh sort of simple and obvious is actually complicated and very regular. You know, it, it's, um, and you would end up with a kind of, uh, uh, you might say, liberal journalist um, type of person whose main thing is, and what doing what they've always done, liberal journalists, but in a much more sort of annoying way uh, of just sort of generally, yeah, they, you know, running sort of ideological interference uh, for anyone who wears a lanyard. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, they've decided to be like the nuance police for the rich and powerful, right? And yeah. and there's really no better example of that than Justin Ling like being told that Christopher Freeland's grandfather was a Nazi by some Russian dude. And I me mean, not writing a story about the fact that Christopher Freeland's grandfather was a nazi and that she was cool with it but but going to everyone and saying the, the russians tried to flip me the russians the russians are feeding me disinformation Skya. yeah and, and like making the story all about him uh, and, and also and like, about how
0: he's bravely protecting canada from misinformation by not publishing this stuff when supposedly kirill the diplomat came to him with the information which i don't even think personally happened but that's just me
2: yeah he was he was doing his patriotic duty as a vice reporter i guess (laughs) (laughs) yes sir
1: my patriotic duty to see less savvy fav. (laughs) um so i've got a a, there are a a few things though about this uh surprisingly progressive allegedly progressive uh document uh that sort of you know um leap out to me you know these are the things that so you know have the arrow tool has jingled the keys he has uh, stood on the front cover of a magazine like uh, John Delaney and Playgirl, uh, and we are ready to hear all about what he's going to do. Um, one of the things I found very funny, uh, which again, in uh, co- coming at this from a sort of British perspective, I thought was really, really, really funny. It's okay, have you ever heard of a little program that we did called Eat Out to Help Out? No. That sounds.
2: I regret to inform you, no.
1: Uh, um. So, basically, <laughs> e- eat out to help out was this um, this program uh, that the uh, conservative government undertook uh, last August, and uh, basically, you know, Corona was in its sort of lull between the first and second waves, um, and uh, our chancellor wanted to have his signature policy, and so. What he did was, he said, "Here's the, here's what we're gonna do. On 13 days in August, uh, we are so like between Monday and Wednesday, I think it was. If you eat inside a restaurant, the government will pay half the food bill up to 25 pounds.
0: What? So you can Basically. get so you can get like one um whole wheat bread sandwich with Branson pickle and sharp cheddar cheese on it."
1: <laughs> yeah absolutely you could get one of those no like you could like you could you know go round the nandos and if they were participating <laughs> in the program you could get like i don't know like a like a cheeky half uh peri peri chicken or whatever love and a cheeky then half. You know, all of your yeah you get a cheeky half um yeah yeah all right get a cheeky f uh
0: wait, and then wait, is booze, basically is, is booze covered
1: no, no, booze okay. was not covered. You had cheeky half chicken from Nando's. Um, uh, booze was not covered. And anyway, um, hang on, I'm just gonna search deaths attributable to <laughs> eat out to help. <laughs> oh my god, dude! Um, oh no! So. so eat out to help out may have caused a sixth of covid clusters oh, over the no. course of the summer fuck oh Be- man because you it wasn't you couldn't get it if you took out from the restaurant you had to eat in they got themselves in a spot of bother over this <laughs> yeah so um basically eat out to help out um <laughs> was sort of uh, caused a, a dramatic rise in deaths Hard oh, cheese because, because yeah because the chancellor Paid for half of everyone's uh, Branston pickles uh, Fuck <laughs> During me. August during 13 days of August 13 so, days in August Yeah Ooh. So with that in mind Would you like to hear about the Dine and discover program <laughs> That's being <laughs> promised by the conservatives In their new manifesto Yes please
2: our man, Aaron Aaron O'Toole, the man with the plan. Yeah, I, I need to, I need to know more.
1: So the Dine and Discover program is a scheme where you can get a fifty percent rebate on food from Monday to Wednesday for a limited huh. time if huh. you dine in
0: the restaurant. Huh. That sounds uh it sounds sounds awfully like the British program that resulted in a sixth of COVID deaths.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, it sure does seem like the exact same program that resulted in all the deaths over
0: here. Seems like someone on the uh, someone in the Conservative Party uh, platform writing committee is a bit of an anglophile. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, and
1: they're they're willing to give you the novel coronavirus because of it. Um, look, with the levels of vaccination. That's the, oh, yeah, that's the other thing. I think probably it makes a little more sense to do this now with high levels of vaccination. But boy, was there not a vaccine when we did this in Britain <laughs> at all. We had reduced the amount of COVID because everyone stayed at home. Incredible. And there wouldn't be a vaccine for a few months. And then they were like, I think we can put everyone in restaurants again. I mean, the uh, the rules around it were bizarre. Um, so initially when pubs reopened between the two waves, uh, they were like, okay, no stand. Cause there's no table service at like pubs or bars in Britain. It's all like you go to the bar. They were like, okay, we're going to have table service and no going to the bar. And also you can't just go and drink. You have to have a, s- we re, we basically reverse engineered the liquor laws of 1970s Ontario, uh, <laughs> but to try to fight a pandemic somehow, uh where it was like yeah okay uh you can have a drink at a bar but it has to be with a substantial meal and they were like okay what's a substantial meal and they were like all right uh, a sausage roll is a substantial meal if it is served with a salad oh my for god for example <laughs> yeah done, that's how
0: you know that you're real. they've done this thing here in montreal like a variation on these like byzantine liquor laws like getting around them um I'm remembering specifically uh, going to sna- snack and blues, the restaurant snack and blue or the bar. The- Someone had to be paid one hundred and twenty
2: thousand dollars a year to figure that out. I think
0: uh, absolutely, and the and what you got for paying that person a hundred thousand dollars a year was you got um, going to the restaurant and or or sorry, going to the bar and ordering the popcorn, which was just a basket of popcorn that they would move from table to table. And occasionally you get so drunk that you'd have a bite and you would always regret <laughs> it.
1: So that's, the, uh, that's, one of the, that's one of the things that really leapt out at me about the platform. They were like, yeah, we're, that thing that killed all those British people, we're going to do that.
0: Oh, man. We, love it. Um, we, lo- we can't I get love, enough. I love it.
1: Yeah. Uh, also, um, uh, let's see. They also have a plan. They have a conservative plan for decarbonization as well, which is pretty huh. cool.
0: How's that going to work? Um,
1: well, what it's going to do is uh, the conservative plan for decarbonization is they're going to charge a twenty dollar per ton levy on carbon, and then mm. they're that's going to be distributed in low carbon savings accounts, huh? So, yeah, basically, yeah. Yeah. uh, mm. so uh, basically, what we're going to do, right, is what if Consumer, co- What if we had carbon pricing, but like on a consumer basis? Interesting.
2: <laughs> My favorite part of the Aaron O'Toole Conservative Party of Canada playbook, or whatever it is a policy book or whatever, is the GST holiday they're planning for Christmas time. Hmm. So yes, that's right, folks. You will save 5% on shit you buy in December, which... <laughs> It's not that much fucking money.
0: (laughs) No, it is not.
2: But will cost the government of Canada like one and a half billion dollars or something.
1: Lovely. Uh, So uh, the the, the carbon price also I think is right because like it's at the point now where, you know, because British Columbia weather is just killing people in the heat and stuff. Like everyone has to seem like they have a plan. Like you can no longer do the conservative thing where you're like, oh, clearly, you know, climate change isn't happening. It's like, Ah, well, we've played for enough time and now it's happened and it's sort of fine. So now we just have to like pretend to do something about it to, to, to decide who's going to be like, you know, ruling over the ashes. Um, and so they have a personal low carbon savings account um, where basically consumers see, basically, consumers are like taxed on fuel that they buy, but then it's put into a savings account for like green purchases later. So they're increasing the price of fuel, but then kind of giving it back to you. So it's like the mm-hmm. more that fuel that you buy, the more money you get to spend on other <laughs> things fuel like a bike it
0: sounds torturous you know, yeah, uh, I, okay. it sounds very complicated and Look, stupid if, and shitty if we have to be if we have to be moving around in the wreckage of civilization like like fucking rats on a hot slag heap uh, I would prefer to be ruled by the guy who's going to legalize the thing that makes my asshole relaxed that's uh <laughs> there's a there's a clear path forward here yeah <laughs>
1: What? How could we add more bureaucracy and just sort of like, wait a minute, you say that the, the government of Canada is going to like give everyone an an app like that tracks all carbon, all purchases of carbon and then like sort of just sort of plays a shell game with like 120, like, like the popcorn just plays a shell game with like a $20
0: bill. But Riley, I thought the Conservative Party of Canada was against government bureaucracy. <laughs>
2: this this carbon pricing scheme is the one that has Max Fawcett all a Twitter, right? Like this is yeah. this is the like moving the Overton window. The conservatives have finally come over to the brilliance of carbon pricing and it's like this incredibly torturous and shitty fucking like half measure that isn't actually one, I mean, going to do anything about the amount of carbon in the atmosphere. And two is like, probably if you, if you ask someone to design the shittiest program possible, this sounds like this would be it. Right. Well,
1: it's the same thing as why all these guys loved Obamacare in the, in the States where it's like, Ooh, you can, you can, um, you, you get to look at a chart and decide, you know, uh, what kind of health plan are you? Uh, so this is, uh, uh, Blake Schaefer quoted in, uh, global news. Who's an assistant professor in, uh, economics and public policy at university of calgary says it's basically like air miles but it's carbon miles you go and fill up your gas you swipe your carbon bucks card and every dollar of carbon tax you spend goes into your personal account so (laughs) basically (laughs) so basically the more you buy gas the more that you get money to buy other than I mean it's basically taking like like BP when BP is like oh yeah we're actually a green energy company now because we spent like you know 2% of our um we spent our marketing <laughs> budget on you know like buying these plants um it's kind of the same thing where the people who use the most gas will save more money and it seems like a bureaucratic nightmare yes it does it's just like you just it, it's ever more sort of um, crazy thing has to happen in order to like fill up an incentivized tax sheltered account. Um, oh man, it's so fucking stupid. Uh, yeah, really, I mean, awesome, considering
2: guys. It, it, it's it's really hard to just not yeah despair, right? <laughs> when it's like towns are literally burning to the ground, and like here in Edmonton, we've we've had like smoke days that are just they just ruin the day like it's summertime it's supposed to be nice but it's just instead uh you can't really go outside you can't open your windows it's it's like it's like a sick day essentially you're like stuck indoors and you still feel like shit afterwards anyways and you haven't even done any fucking drugs Mm -hmm. you just wake up spending a fucking days in this smoke you feel like shit you didn't even fucking get high or drunk Mm -hmm. fucking worst
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're going to live in Western Canada. You're essentially going um, to have the too-cold-to-go-outside season or and the smoky season. And, and then maybe a handful yep. of weeks in between. And that'll be that. And, and we have a sort of tax-incentivized savings
1: account that's going to stop that from happening. You know, So don't worry uh, about
2: finally, it. Finally, someone smarter than me figured it out.
1: Yeah. Don't worry. We've got the... We've got the, we've got the damn, we got, we got the damn shit figured out here. That's fine. Don't worry about it.
0: Yeah. This election is going to, um, it's going to destroy my mind. I think
2: (laughs) yeah, I mean, I, I pay attention to politics for a living and I am doing my very best to not pay attention to the federal election. (laughs)
0: Like Between that and the picture I saw of Jagmeet yesterday talking about uh, the housing crisis that had a graph labeled, I believe it just said uh, Justin Trudeau housing plan, and then there was just a line with an unlabeled X and an unlabeled Y axis on it, you know? Like talking to national media at the same time, the Halifax police are chainsawing a shelter because people have prevented them from removing it from a park. And instead of just leaving the shelter in the park, they just chainsawed it to pieces and maced a ten-year-old. Um, so yeah, this is, this election feels especially uh, apocalyptic in a way.
1: It's apocalyptic, but I often always say this: we've never. We never really accounted for how
0: embarrassing the apocalypse would be. That's it, Riley. Yeah, how yeah. cringe? I, I think,
2: I yeah, think that's the apocalypse what, is I, too I cringe.
0: That, I think that's what I'm getting at. Yeah, yeah. No one knew the apocalypse was going to be cringe. Yeah, I
1: thought it was going to. Everyone thought it was going to be uh, cool, and there were going to be like, like you know, riding. It's going to like a Mad Max thing, right? But nope. Sorry, it's embarrassing.
2: <laughs> Whoopsie daisy. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
1: Oh my! Yeah, it
2: was. It's not like the purge. It's, it's like it's like actually like a fucking shitty romantic comedy. Sorry, yeah. sorry, folks.
1: Sorry, everybody. I'm afraid. Yeah. I'm afraid it's lame. Cringe-filled anyway. end times. Uh, <laughs> oh god! Uh, with all that in mind, uh, I think it's uh, fair only to say uh, to Duncan, thank you very much for coming and hanging out with us today for this fine hour. Yeah, thank you, Duncan.
2: Yeah, my pleasure being, again, on the finest Corner Gas slash Nazi Collaborator Investigation podcast in the world. (laughs) And no, I am a big fan of the show. It was really fun coming on.
1: Oh, thank you very much. And thank you all out there in podcast land for listening to us. Don't forget, this is a free episode, but we have a Patreon, seven Canadian dollars a month, second episode per week. Bonus material. do check that out. If you get a chance, uh, you know, we got uh, we had some corner gas. We're going to be off the corner gas until next month. We're going to do actual act- uh We're going to go go to other topics that we haven't talked about before, you know, like
0: maybe Nazi collaborator monuments or some other thing. Yeah. Uh, little, so don't uh, forget bon cop, to bad cop. Little Mosque on the Prairie. Bon cop, bad cop. You know, all your favorites.
1: I want them to make uh, Bon cop, bad cop 3 so badly.
0: Oh, me too. Oh, fuck. I'm in for it. Yeah, I'm, I want Bon Cop, Bad Cop like based in North Korea. That would be, oh, yes. <laughs> give me that Juche.
2: C- we, need a, we need a Bon Cop, Bad Cop, HBO prestige show.
1: I, I would like Bon Cop, Bad Cop 3 to be made because I want to torture CJ with it. That's all. That's yeah. it. That's all I want. <laughs> Canada, do this one thing. If you're not going to give me a fucking factor, Grant. Then at least the least you could do is make Bon Cop, Bad Cop 3, okay? all right buddy yeah uh, it's not, all right it's, it's well after mid i'll say it's well after midnight here in britain so i think it's time for me to go to bed
0: all right i'm gonna continue sweating all in right. my studio Here's that. Yeah. farewell <laughs> bye everybody